it's always been a dream of mine to have someone say, all right, boys, you're rolling, and actually mean it. <laughs> this is Brian Paris with Sounds of Berkeley. Today, John Mirasola brings us a new song and interview from Berkeley alumni band The Co-Tones, who recorded the track on campus last semester with legendary producer Steve Albini. When I arrived at Berkeley's Studio 2, also known as The Arc, one morning this spring, it was filled with music production and engineering students and faculty taking pictures of the microphones that had been set up on a drum kit and all around the room. Everyone wanted to know just how visiting producer Steve Albini got his signature sound, that combination of crystal clarity, space, and raw force. You can hear it on classic records like Nirvana's In Utero, or The Breeders' Pod, or Godspeed You Black Emperor's Yankee UXO, and a few thousand more albums, because in addition to being an engineering icon, Albini is also one of rock music's most prolific producers. That morning, he had come to campus to demonstrate some of his recording techniques in a live-to-tape session with the Co-Tones, who current MP&E student Garrett Edson recruited for the session. My name is Luke Fries, and I'm the singer, guitarist, and pianist of the Co-Tones, rhythm guitarist of the Co-Tones. Ryan Bale is the lead guitarist, and uh, Brad Williamson is the bass guitarist, and Zach Brody is the drummer. Luke, Ryan, and Zach are all alumni, and Brad's a current student. The band had been playing clubs and basements around Boston for about two years when they got the invitation to come to campus and record a song with Albini. I flipped out because Steve Albini probably produced more records that I listened to in high school than any other producer. Pixies, uh, Surfer Rosa, In Utero, obviously, Nirvana was kind of the gateway for all of that kind of uh, punk and alternative 80s music. I mean, the PJ Harvey, one of her first albums, Dry. He's got a sound that's like you listen to it and it's identifiable as his sound. I think a lot of it has to do with the way the kick drum sounds. The the guitars are, um, they're not abrasive, but they're like, they're heavy. Part of that sound, both with the drums and with the guitars, comes from Albini's meticulous placement of microphones, not just on the drums and on the amps, but at a distance, all around the room. These mics create sonic space and a feeling of immediacy. You get the sense that you're inside the room with the musicians. So there's a fidelity not just to the sound of the instruments, but to the experience of the band's live performance, Fries says. Okay, what what does the band want to sound like? What do they sound like when they're playing in a club or like to, you know, 100 people in a basement, you know, and bringing that performance out of them? I think Steve Albini does a really good job capturing that. In all, the setup and sound check took a couple hours, during which Albini explained the purpose of every microphone in the room and how to get it to perform the way you want it to. A couple people were like, were taking videos of him explaining the drum miking process and stuff. And so that's been, that's been good because then I can like sort of, you know, go back and watch those when it's kind of calmed down a little bit. Albini's attention to detail was pretty remarkable, and it spoke to a broader recording philosophy he stressed to the students in the room. If you're trying to solve a problem at a later stage, it generally means you've made a mistake at an earlier stage. You can put a thousand EQs in a plug-in window to sort of fix something, but honestly, a lot of the times it's just because you didn't mic it right or you didn't capture the recording right, you know, in the first um, 
in the first phase of, of the production. This is especially true when you're recording to tape, which is expensive and which takes up physical space. It turns out this was the band's first experience with analog recording. It's always been a dream of mine to have someone say, all right, boys, you're rolling, and actually mean it. <laughs> and like when the playback started, when you would hear it like, that was, yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> the band had clearly come ready to play. They'd picked one of their heaviest songs, called The Final Cut, and Freeze said they rehearsed the song endlessly before the session. They knew the stakes were high, recording live with a studio legend, but if they could pull it off, they'd have something really special. We chose a song that he was that would that would show his strengths as a producer too, like one that we were like, "This is a Steve Albini song." It has that kind of raw energy that uh, was really, really supplemented by his awesome production style. Part of that style involves having the band play the song as it would be performed live, all at once, no metronome, with Freeze singing a scratch vocal track that would later be replaced with the final vocals. I recorded a scratch vocal, and I actually think that helped my my performance personally because it made it feel more clubby and more like it was a basement show. For me, I play better when I'm singing because I'm not thinking about my guitar playing. I'm more in the moment and engaged with the actual performance of the song. After just a handful of runs through the track, they'd captured that performance. Freeze remembers Albini calling them back into the control room to listen to the raw mix for the first time. It was like he was the captain of a ship. You know, he was just sort of like at the control, the console. And uh, yeah, it was it was surreal because it was that that Pixies sound or that in utero sound that I loved so much growing up. But it was our song. That song, again, is the final cut. And thematically, it's not far from something you'd hear from an early Pixies or Breeders record. It's about all of those people who put you down and say that you can't do what it is that you want to do or be creative or write or try to take that away from you. Because as a kid, I mean, I feel like every creative person's kind of gone through this where there are just some people who just don't get it. So then to be able to write a song that was sort of like actually coming to terms with that and then realizing that like, no, I, I, I am going to do this as a living and I am going to pursue this creativity because it's, it's all that I can do and it's all that I want, I've ever wanted to do. Here's the final cut by the Cotones.
That was The Cotones with The Final Cut, recorded by Steve Albini with additional recording and mixing by Garrett Edson. You can hear more of the band's music at thecotones.com. Keep an eye out for a full length coming this winter. This episode was engineered by Tony Brown and Nicole Jamidi in partnership with The Burn. I'm John Mirasola. This is Sounds of Berkeley. <laughs>